Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode one of this Martial Life podcast. Uh, super excited to be bringing this uh, bringing this podcast to you. Um, if you haven't heard the teaser, basically, uh, this podcast is, um, I guess I wouldn't call it a chronicle, but it would be interviews of normal people who are involved in the martial arts. And um, we're, we're starting out with some folks that are pretty close to my circle, in, in my inner circle, in terms of... Um, you know, relationships that I've formed over the years. Um, and uh, this first episode is with uh, Shihan Colleen Barungan, who is the um, wife of my instructor, Professor Bobby Barungan, uh, who will be on episode two. So that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. And um, Shihan Colleen is somebody that I've known now for, gosh, going on. Uh, over 15 years and uh, while we've never really worked together um, trained together on a one-on-one basis um, it she's always been around and she's been busy teaching you know countless uh, countless youth at the Brongan Martial Arts Academy in Des Moines and you know she continues that practice today um, and I have had the pleasure of uh, receiving her critique during um during my testing you know throughout the years or uh you know on on forms that maybe i'm i'm practicing in the dojo and and doing incorrectly um she's always willing to offer totally positive and and constructive feedback on on those forms so she's been a great a great resource and she continues to be a great resource probably one of the most thorough um maintains probably one of the, the, the most thorough documentations of, of the Baranga martial arts system, um, which I, I think is a probably a lost um, a lost art in a lot of ways. And, you know, the, the binder that she kept and, and uses reference um, is uh, truly impressive. And I think it's it's important to maintain that kind of record of, of the work that, that we do. And um, for those, uh, if anybody's been in the arts for a long time, you know that... Um, sometimes things change and you know we don't some people call them changes some people call them corrections some people call them uh you know the improvements whatever it might be um it's always good to have a record of of where things started and and i i was always very envious of of her dedication to keeping that record um and she's also the co-founder of um or the the co-owner of the united uh Kempo Karate Systems, uh, which is what we commonly refer to as the association, um, and it's a, a body of uh, Midwest martial arts schools. Um, I think there are probably we're going on six or seven schools now in the Midwest, um, and she and um, she and Professor Bobby maintain this this organization. And, uh, you know, I, I contribute and a number of other people contribute to this organization that um, help uh, bring the martial arts to a wider group. And we take kind of the what what in the olden days would have been referred to as the Ronin, kind of those without um, instructors of rank above your your state um, and help promote the martial arts, help promote their martial art by putting on seminars and things like that. It's definitely not a money-making organization it is uh, very much a 
it's a great way to network and it's a great way to um, share your art. If you know your your net, if you find that your network is getting smaller, it's a great way to share uh, share your art with other schools and systems. So, uh, not really a plug, just mentioning it that uh, it will come up several times during this uh, this podcast and this episode, and then uh, future episodes. I'm sure it'll it'll come up again. Um, so, again. Super excited to have uh, Shihan Colleen on as episode number one. Uh, she and Professor Bobby came out a couple weeks ago, um, and we drew, we recorded these podcasts in my uh, in my living room. So there's a little bit of background noise, but hey, just a casual conversation, keeping it light. Uh, we had a really good time, and uh, I hope you all enjoy it. And we'll see you on the next episode. You get some interesting answers then. <laughs> well, that's the that's the goal, I guess. Um, no relaxation, yeah. Okay, I get it. No. <laughs> I'm gonna turn that over so it's not blinking. We're just gonna start talking. That's fine. Uh, so this is podcast number one. You're the official first guest. Yee. Welcome. Uh, so, Colleen Brongan of Brongan Martial Arts in Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome. Thank you. Um, you're visiting me in my house, which I think is totally awesome. Uh, first visit in four years. Yeah, it's been great a long to be time. here. And yesterday we uh, we had you and Professor Brongan at the, I guess we call it the Portland extension of the Brongan Kempo <laughs> School in Portland. Um, <clears throat> and... We injured Bobby, which is. <laughs> I think Bobby injured himself. Okay. Um, he okay. didn't move out of the way. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, injury wise, you probably have seen him get injured a few times. A few. And, yeah. And yourself, you've, you've. I've suffered a few. Um, minor. Um, broke the toe back where it meets the foot. And uh, that's the only one I've actually broken anything and then I've torn a few muscles that are in the back and back end <laughs> <laughs> which makes uh moving really easy right uh yeah that took a long recovery yeah. and that was my own stupidity that was no one else's so uh I was curious that one of the reasons uh I wanted to talk to you specifically was because uh number one I know you do a lot of women's self-defense classes mm -hmm. um and not just from the women's self-defense side, but the women's perspective in the martial arts, because I do know that it is kind of a macho. Uh, it's a boys club, but um, if you want to fit in, you can fit in without losing the feminine side. Yeah. So what is that? What have you seen in terms of like the progression or the the inclusion of women in, in, in the martial arts? Um, I think there's a lot of... Um, wrong views because of some of the things you see on tv the some of the more aggressive women they think every martial art woman is that aggressive that's not true um, when i started 28 years ago it was solely a boys club <laughs> but um i think it's become a little more open people have a better attitude about it and i think that's uh society in general um it's not about any longer 
right now everyone thinks, oh, if you're a martial art female, you're a badass. Well, that's not necessarily it. Yeah. But it's always great to have something in your knowledge bag of tricks that you can pull out and surprise people with. And that surprise gives you at least a little bit of an edge. And when I do my women's self-defense class, and it's open to anyone who wants to do it, it's just labeled women, because what I do is I, um, most of my women's self-defense is based off of housework. Now that the culture is starting to change and more men are doing housework, that's fine. Yeah. But there's not every male out there who has that, oh, let's, you know, machoism and Mm -hmm. aggressive bone. Well, I take the people that, oh, I couldn't hurt anyone type attitude. Mm -hmm. And I want to develop something for them because they really need something in their tool belt in case something happens, just like auto insurance. If you have an accident, it's there. If you have self-defense and somebody comes at you, it's there. Um, State Farm's good neighbor. That's basically what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. But I take, um, like everyone cleans a house at some point, we would hope. I'm not going to say everybody. (laughs) But if you run a vacuum, that's a self-defense because you're transferring weight from front foot to back foot. So you're building, um, generating power by uh, weight shift and transference. Mm -hmm. And it makes movement easier. Then as you push the vacuum, that becomes a groin strike. That could be a punch to the lower abdomen. And as you draw back, that's a nice elbow. Mm -hmm. The elbows are our friends. It doesn't have to be a closed hand. And I think there's another misconception that uh, all martial artists is all about feet. No, it's not. It's about body movement, body positioning, uh, weight transference. Because I do not look like a martial artist. I've been told that on a number of occasions. I don't think they meant it by mean, but... That's true. It's not about body type. It's about how you use it. And it's mostly body weight, all about body weight. It's not about muscle. I have very little muscle, (laughs) but I have plenty of body weight I throw around. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that, I I think it's surprising to a lot of people that um, they see the the movies and they see, you know, Mm -hmm. the TV with the the stuntmen and and they're ripped and they can do these fantastic... uh, flips and kicks and, and things like that but well i got news for you after children jumping's not a good idea <laughs> bladder really doesn't appreciate it um it, it i've seen martial arts done by 90 year olds i've seen it been done by five-year-olds it's a mindset it's not so much a physical activity it has physics to it but you can do it at any age if you want to and the generation of power comes from body movement not muscle in fact, I've seen more people get hurt trying to go muscle to muscle than body mm-hmm. fluidity and versus knowing where to put your body to defend yourself. Yeah. So there's um, there's that physical component that obviously a lot of uh, beginners come in with that mentality that they have to train their body to um, to do certain things, and you know there's at least what I've seen is there's this transition point between um, that getting over that, that mentality of, of physical only or body only, and then starting to use your brain and saying, okay, now that I understand the basics of what I'm doing, I can now apply um, less muscle and I can become more efficient in the movements and, and all that. Or do you see that? Like, I guess, when do you see that transition happen for people most often? Most often, I've seen it at different levels. I've seen kids pick up on it slower 
because they're so used to going 100 miles an hour forward. They're not used to that taking that one step back and looking at the whole picture. They're used to being very focused on one project, one school event, and they forget to look at the huge picture, whereas an event, uh, an adult usually will go, mm, and the minute you tell them, step back, look at the whole picture, they're like, oh, I don't have to use power. I can you know, shift into a different position. I can actually keep my body to where I'm not twisting and bending, but going at it as a... Uh, cement block of the chest so you're not crossing your airway you're getting oxygen you're moving but you don't have to move at the speed of lightning mm-hmm. heavens knows that's not always a good thing yeah you have to look for an opening if if you're moving at the speed of sound you're not landing anything because there's no opening it, there's no point right right so we call it for the kids we call it uh stealing the king and the king is the heart you're mm-hmm. trying to steal the heart and air but even that, they're kind of confused. And the minute you teach them a little bit about chess, they're like, I get it. Mm-hmm. And that light bulb going on is what I live for. I love a, that look on their face of, oh, I get it. But even the kids, they come in, they're awkward. It's not about coordination until you get a little higher in the rank. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you have to be a little more coordinated, but it comes with experience. Yeah. And that starts to flow. And then you're like, oh, this was so much easier than I thought. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that, that I've struggled with in the past, but I find myself with time kind of getting over it is uh, that frustration of having to start over every single mm-hmm. time with a new student. Uh, yeah. And, and there, are, there are days where that it's hard, where you're like, geez, I wish I could not work <laughs> on the basics, the 16 Chinese fists or, uh, you know, basic stances and things like that. It for you, is it a challenge or have you, in the 28 years that you've been doing this, does it get easier? I don't know about easier, but you learn patience, um, pretty quick. When you first start with a student, you find you have to, um, break down the barriers that they've built and what they've seen on TV and tell them to get over that and get over the fact that, uh, I'm not the most coordinated one in the room. Well, so what? That's not the point here. And once you get past that barrier, then you can start actually teaching them. And you, one thing I have found, don't expect them to do everything the same way you do it because it's not going to happen ever. <laughs> you have to accept that everyone's individual and they're going to do it their own way. All you're looking to do is make sure all everyone's outcome is the same and that's safety. Yeah. So, and if it's not, if they're still getting hit, that means they need to adjust and you need to help them figure out how to adjust to get a better outcome. Okay. And it's been challenging. I have, um, several attention deficit students who, um, well, and then there's just your basic seven year olds and they're sometimes hard to reach because mom's told them to do this all their life, mom, mom, mom. And then there's, you know, you're standing up there again, another female telling them here, you got to do this. (laughs) So you kind of lose them. I have no idea what that's like, by the way. No. I've never had a female tell me to do anything oh, in any way. Oh, I can't way. imagine. <laughs> Your mom told you what to do, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but you have, and then you have a male come in and teach them. And sometimes, I mean, no disrespect to any of the males, but most of them t- talk the language of a martial art. Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered that works better is to relate it to something they understand. If they're in seven, in second grade, they're used to uh, arithmetic. So you associate it back to arithmetic or you associate it with playing soccer or something they're interested in. Next thing you know, you've got their attention and they're going, okay, I'll try it. 
once you get them to try it, most of them get hooked, really yeah. hooked. <laughs> yeah. And what, uh, what personality types do you think are most end up being most successful in, in the martial arts? Wow. Um, with that's no, a tough like one. no prior exposure when they come in, they're just completely new to it. The ones most frustrating to start teaching are the self self uh, uh, confident uh-huh. because they're so sure they know what they're doing, and they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are hard to overcome. Um, the ones that don't have any confidence, it's harder to build that confidence up. So it's really a two way street. It really depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen somebody come in who was so shy and, oh, I can't hurt anybody. And every time she would get up to do a, um, oh, an imitation fight, you know, there's no solid context, just light context. She would just grin from ear to ear and it would frustrate her partner so bad. But that's her defense. (laughs) Right. She never did hit anybody. (laughs) Right. But it's it's interesting. And then you'll get the guy who gets up there and just sets his face like, I'm going to come in and get you, and comes in and hits, you know, like a powder puff. Yeah. Because he's not sure what he's doing. And it, some of them don't want to show that they don't understand or they don't know. Part of that's from the way the school systems teach. Yeah. Part of that is just human nature. Yeah. And conquering human nature is very difficult it's hard to teach against that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, an interesting thing that I've, I've noticed is the teaching the aggression or it's, it's not really aggression. I think it's, um, sort of tapping into that, that enthusiasm or the passion or the, Mm -hmm. um, that moment that you actually do need to exert some amount of, of power or, um, even decisiveness in what you're doing. And if there's not that, um, trying to teach that is nearly impossible, at least from what I've, what I've experienced. It takes a long time. It takes a long time. And uh, just for anybody that can hear that in the background, that's a dog getting a drink of water. Um, that's the joy of doing a podcast recording at home. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, talk to me about 28 years. Mm-hmm. That's uh, not an insignificant amount of time. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, a, that's a quarter century, better than a quarter century. Um, what, uh, I want to hear about the beginning, the first few years of your martial arts career and what oh, that was like. Oh, boy. Um, I have a very controlling personality. I'll be the first one to admit that. I grew up with two very large brothers. I was an aggressive individual with a nasty temper. Uh, Control was not my concern, shall we say. Uh, I had no qualms about taking on somebody twice my size and picking a fight. That was no big thing to me. Yeah. Until, you know, I got myself butt handed to me. Then I was like, well, maybe that's not such a hot idea. (laughs) But when I first started in the martial arts, it was very intimidating, to be honest. When you walk in the door and you see... um, Grandmaster Barangan out there on the floor doing this beautiful form that was moving and empowering and it was very precise precision it was just beautiful and you're going I want to do that and when you go to do that and you can't imitate that it becomes intimidating but even as intimidating as it was I still wanted to get to that level and that 
it that was what inflamed the passion. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's been all about public safety. It's all about trying to empower women to understand that they're more powerful than they think. There's something there in every person that could be uh, a defense. Uh, if you like to joke, that's a defense. Mm-hmm. If you make fun of yourself and people laugh, that's a defense. Yeah. But a lot of people don't look at it that way. Yeah. Um, so it's easy that the, and this is one of the things that I, I, have really been wanting to get to the, the heart of is, um, how the martial arts isn't just about the physical component. It's about the psychological component. And I don't mean that in a, uh, militaristic way where the, you know, the Marines are taught a certain, like how to diffuse the situation very, uh, very succinctly and, and with a very standardized protocol uh, the martial arts, we we approach situations, we build confidence in the class um, through the physical side, but it gives you this confidence to approach situations without getting physical. It also, well, and the martial arts also gives you that um, knowing in the back of your mind, if this gets physical, I have an answer. Mm-hmm. I don't have to use it unless right. I have, unless, you know, things actually go that direction. Right. And what it has done for me over 25 years, it has taken my temper and taken it down several notches. Um, yes, I'm still bossy. Don't get me wrong. But I don't have that want or need to um, pick a fight with anyone. Now it's more like, pff, I don't need to. Uh, it's the self-confidence. It's, um, I don't know, you, you start to mellow with age and you start watching people more and you can read people better, I think. And the martial arts has taught that a lot. Mm-hmm. Because you know when somebody's going to throw a punch. That's all part of the martial arts. Well, I can tell you if someone's going to be aggressive pretty quick. Right. Or if they're more of a smiling Charlie, as we call her. <laughs> she <laughs> grins when she spars. You, you, you understand the personality changes so much. And when you teach, holy cow, do you start learning. That mm. is a huge learning curve. And it takes a while. Frustrating? Yes. Do you want to walk, quit, walk away? Yes. <laughs> Do you? No, because you can't stand it. You can't stand to see a form done wrong. You want to get out there and go, well, wait, what if you did it this way? Yeah. And I, my students are great. I, I, I love my students. There are days I want them just to do push-ups for an hour, but we're getting there. Yeah. I, uh, I, the days that I want the other guys to do push-ups or the days that I know that I need to do push-ups and it's mm-hmm. less about them usually and more about me and the mindset mm-hmm. that I'm in, uh, which is hard to admit. Uh, <laughs> we do a thing called sit the wall. If the teacher is frustrated, everybody sits the wall. <laughs> and the reason we do that is, well, my age versus their age, they usually hold it longer than I do. And it's very humbling. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point you're like, oh, okay, it's about me release the tension and you go back and you're teaching better. Um, I found that my son, Nathan Brungan also does same thing. He has to release his anger and his pent up from his job and go out there and teach. And when he sits the wall, he calms down. (laughs) So it makes a better atmosphere. Yeah. Um, we're not about playing around out there on that floor because if we start playing, somebody's going to get hurt. I can't stand to see somebody hurt. Um, we tell the kids they have to pay attention um, we can have some fun, but we have to make sure it's controlled fun so nobody gets hurt. And then I'm not out there to be your mom. I'm not out there to be your friend. I'm out there to teach you something that could save your life someday. Yeah. And I've got to take that serious. Yeah. There's a little humor, but 
they've got to learn to figure out how to pay attention to what's going on around them because that's not taught anywhere else. Yeah. And that scares me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange society. It really is. Um, I, I think between uh, probably the late 70s and, and today, so much has changed in terms of the uh, litigious nature of society where anybody can be sued for anything. Hmm. And it puts us in a kind of a strange situation um, because some somebody who's able to defend themselves through just wild punching in the air and then there's us trying to defend ourselves against that. Um, we, we have to be very selective about how we respond. And I'm almost more worried for the students in, in how they respond and their level of control and, uh, you know, just their, their general demeanor and how far they take a technique. It's, it's a little terrifying. I remind my students at least once a week, you are responsible for someone. If you hit them and hurt them, you're responsible. Mm -hmm. If you hit somebody, you feel two inches tall because you know more than they knew and you hurt someone. That just is, it's kind of a mom thing because you know as a kid, when you were a kid and your brother hit you, you knew it hurt. Well, you're dishing that out to somebody else. How did you feel? And then it's one of the things that I want the kids to understand is a little empathy for another person. I don't want the kids to be afraid to walk down the street. That's not what I'm trying to give them. In fact, I would encourage them to walk down that street. What you see on the news is going to tilt everybody. It's, it just changes the psychological um, outlook of parents. Oh, I've got to keep my kids attached to my hip. You're not doing the kids any favors by doing that. You're taking them out of a society that they need to learn to deal with. They need to get out there and they need to deal. Do they need to do it by themselves? No. They yeah. can always, you know, come in, find something, but they should all have something on their tool belt to pull out when Superman attacks, you got to have some kind of defense <laughs> and it's got to be your brain. And right. if you can't use the brain, it's going to be a real tough fight. So, um, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, at, uh, seventh, seventh degree, sixth degree, sixth degree. <laughs> okay. Uh, at sixth degree, what? What sorts of things are you thinking about in terms of your um, your next level of accomplishment, or what kind of what what's left for you to do in terms of oh, wow. growth in the martial arts? <laughs> There's a lot left for me to do. Um, I thought getting my sixth degree was it was no big deal. I would achieved the goal I set out for, but you know, as you get there, you're like, no, there's more. I want more people to understand the martial art. If they practice, awesome. If they don't, at least have an understanding of what the martial arts is all about. Mm -hmm. it, we're, we're not a bunch of bullies. We're not out there throwing people through plate glass windows. That would be my last choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want to change the stigma. We have a huge stigma of it being only men. We have a huge stigma of that we're all a bunch of egomaniac uh, aggressives, which we are not. I just I want to change that. And my goal is to come in contact with as many people as I can and change that stigmatism. Mm -hmm. uh, I have people at my job um, who are sworn police officers who think it's funny and they try and jump out and scare me to see what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, 20 years ago, they would have gotten hit and I would have gone to jail for <laughs> assaulting an officer. 
today it's just like I have more confidence in the fact that I could handle anything if they actually got close enough. And I just look at them and go, really? How old are you? And it, you want to change that stigma because they look at me and go, you can't move that fast. Well, you know, I might surprise you. You don't know. Don't judge. Yeah. And that judgment is what I want to stop. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, the, the, again, talking about sort of the, the timeline of how, what's popular, you know, what, what comes in and out of style over oh, time. Right. And I think about, you know, when I, when I was growing up and, and the karate kid and, you know, karate was a huge, there was, I, it, everybody was doing it and everybody wanted mm-hmm. to do it and it was really cool. And now, uh, with the mixed martial arts gaining huge popularity, it's, um, it's, I think it's great. I think that it's great that there's a martial art out there that, that people are learning. Um, I, you know, I'm anxious for the time that karate gets back in the limelight <laughs> the spotlight yes. uh because it, it, I, I think it does offer a great deal of value and i think i think there's huge value in in mixed martial arts um you know there's there's a range obviously in in what people see you know with the cage fighting and all of that that's like a it's like people trying to become a celebrity it, it's uh not saying that that's what people doing mma are set out to do but i'm just saying that it's again what people see on tv mm-hmm. is what they think mixed martial arts or jujitsu or any of that is all about but it's not i wish they would change that title from mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. to something else neanderthal beats person i don't (laughs) care but it's not uh, what i see watching the um mixed martial arts there's a whole lot less martial arts and a whole lot more boxing and aggression Mm -hmm. of man beat man and that's all i see and I used to watch the UFC very, very closely. Now I just see it as brutality, nothing else. Yeah. And I see no art in it. There is no art. One thing the martial arts held for me was an expression of art. The, the empty hand forms that you do, they're an art. And some of them can be so beautiful. And you know what it takes for that to be that beautiful mm-hmm. and all the work that goes into it. And to me, that's the expression of a true martial artist. Do you need to spar? You need to spar. You get out there, you do what you have to do. But yet take that and turn that into a empty hand form that is an imitation or a shadow box or a fight mm-hmm. without another person there and make it look so powerful and beautiful. That's what a true martial artist is going for. Right. You want to put the art back in the martial arts. Yep. And I think it's um, it, to a lot of people or, or to people who haven't tried learning an empty hand form or empty hand kata it's uh it's not as easy as it looks and i think getting um getting to that point where you can observe a form and you can see that you know the power is delivered precisely and that the stances are all perfect and that head level stays the same uh, being able to to observe that and to um to appreciate somebody else bringing that to you, whether or not you like the person themselves. I, I think you gain a lot of respect for somebody who can actually, you know, pull that off. Um, whether they're a jerk on or off the mat, doesn't matter. It's just that they, they can do it. And, um, I've also experienced a lot in the 25 years that some styles, they'll give you the form. They tell you to memorize the movements. What good Mm -hmm. does that do I don't see how not teaching somebody what they're doing, why they're doing, and how to apply it to make that worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And for me, a empty hand form, as we were talking about, 
it's a fight. You have to be able to see that person actually physically fighting an imaginary opponent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no art. There's nothing there. You're just, what are you, a robot? We're going through the motions. And it takes something away from it for me because it's very sad when I see a bunch of kids out there doing the same form, same mm-hmm. movements. They have no idea what the, why they're doing what they're doing. Because if you ask them, how do you apply that as a self-defense? They look at you like a deer in a headlight going, I have no idea. Well, why did you learn it? Because my instructor told me I had to memorize how to do this. (laughs) Oh, that's it. How are you helping that child? Right. You're giving them something else to memorize. They can memorize the alphabet in school. They don't need more to memorize. They need to figure out how to use it. Yeah. And I think there's um, the the deeper lesson in that is is probably around how... uh, there's more than one meaning to what you do, whether that's in the dojo or at work, at school. You have to you have to look at things from different angles, and we could get really literal and <laughs> talk about changing angles and all that. Oh but, yeah, but uh, that's you know we'll save that. Um, the the thing that I like about um, about learning the kata, you know, I, I had the same. Uh, same impressions that you did when when I started and seeing you and seeing <laughs> Professor Bobby do these forms, it was just like, wow, I I want to be able to do it just like that. So I would I would mimic, um, but it never felt right. And there was that certain point where I was just like, yeah, it looks okay, but there's no power behind it. There's no like the execution isn't quite. Um, I'm off balance, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at a certain point, after practicing it enough and, and thinking, actually using my brain to think about what I'm doing and learning the bunkai, mm-hmm. the application, it's, uh, it then becomes something special and it becomes unique to you. And uh, it may look like everybody else and you might do it exactly the same rhythm, but it's totally your own. Like it becomes mm-hmm. your, your kata. And I've, one of the things I found when I went for my six-degree belt, the form I did, I was told that that was the best they'd ever seen my form. And these are the more advanced. Those, those are the more difficult ones. And I think the whole thing is, is I looked at the judging panel and says, you know, it's not about testing them. It's about showing them, teach them the form. Instead of thinking of this as a test, I'm going to find, teach, turn around and teach them what I know. Mm-hmm. And I think that they cleared up all of the nerves and you just let go and you went out there and you taught just like you teach in the dojo mm-hmm. way easier. I mean, I could breathe. I, I didn't have this dizziness. I didn't have this fear feeling of I want to throw up because every test does that to me. <laughs> the minute I took the word test out of it, it all became so much easier. Yeah. And I take that out for my kids. I don't tell my kids class, oh, you're testing. No. Hey, show me what you know. Yeah. It's a lot easier on them. It's a lot easier. We don't all need to be tested. Right. Everybody's going to change that form. And that's another thing is the the personal inflection in the forms. It has to be allowed. There has to be a core similarity, but there has to be minor nuances that is you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to you unless you add some of you into the form. Mm-hmm. Uh, an outside block. Oh, okay. Well, to you, that's an outside hammer fist. Okay, go for it. Show me how it applies. <laughs> that's fine. There's going to be minor differences. It's not that it's wrong. It has to adapt. Yeah. If it's not going to adapt, it dies. Personal artistic expression is what it becomes, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. As long as the, the proper applications there. Just, I mean, <laughs> yes. you learn how to move a paintbrush across a canvas in the same way that you learn to throw an outside block and, uh, you know, and that becomes a hammer fist. It, yep. It's all, it's all relative. I'd like to see our style continue the nice low 90 degree, uh, of the knee stances. One, they're hard to move from. Two, if you can get that low and move, there's the grace. That's the beautiful artwork that everyone is striving for. But it's a challenge to those doing it because yeah. you have got to get there and right. you have to figure out how to move from that low. And to me, that's where I'm like, oh, this person put in the time. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Not all styles go that low. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think with... Even if even if that ninety degree horse stance becomes a um, a condition a, me- a mechanism for conditioning, mm-hmm. the the martial artist who trains at that level will be able to move faster, um, more uh, faster and more quickly, uh, and just they'll become a better martial artist through that through that conditioning, that level of conditioning by pushing themselves. And you see that they want more. Mm-hmm. You, you get them out there and they do this beautiful form with all of this wonderful power and they get encouraged. And next thing you know, they want to know more. They want to learn more. I get it. I'm, I'm past that little hurdle of, I don't quite get it. I've got it. Mm-hmm. And you see them, the passion comes out in that form and you set, tell them that's the passion I've been trying to look for. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm telling you that you, you found yourself now, you know, and it showed in the form. And uh, one individual came to me and asked me, how can I improve my form? I said, well, you know, I, I, I mean no disrespect to anyone. Um, I've watched your form. It's very boxed. And I, he asked me, what did I mean? I said, you look like a robot out there mm-hmm. repeating movements. I said, but where are you? There's no you in the form. If your idea of an awesome stance is to be standing straight up, well, okay, but how are you going to apply that in a self-defense? Because if you're standing straight up, you're the target. It might hurt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then that's what um, I kept telling him. Yeah, I don't see you. I don't see you actually defending yourself in this form. And he says, I think I get it. And it was fun to watch him do a form. It had nothing to do with any art I've seen. It was a completely different form. He goes, is that what you mean? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, your interpretation of the form, where is it? Well, if, you were, if I was attacking you, how would you use mm-hmm. that? All of a sudden, the light came on, and he had that aha moment. And the next tournament he went to, he did the form, took first place, was in the grand championship. He said it's the first time he's ever been there, and he's been in the art for quite a few years. Wow. I'm like, you have to put yourself out there. It's not about what I remember. It's about you. What is your body, your muscle movement, your muscle memory going to do? You have to put that on the floor and believe in it. You have to believe it works. Yeah. I think it's uh, that's it goes back to that uh, conversation about the tipping point or the light bulb moment for people when they uh, they'll look at the end of their fist when they're extending for a punch but they look beyond that it's like they're looking they're looking at the outside world and how the outside world is reacting to what they're doing instead of creating the environment around them and saying and i I kind of think about it as being in one of those 
rolly balls that you climb into mm -hmm. and you kind of bounce into each other that becomes your environment and you're in you're in control of that environment however far you can reach with your hand or however far you can reach with your foot um, however fast you're moving forward backward sideways um, you need to be in control and focus on that right there yes you need to understand what's going on just to the outside of the environment as well and we're talking about self-defense but um, that focus and bringing that to an empty hand form i think definitely needs to say stay concentrated to that that bubble mm -hmm. and i think if you get across to your students also that that environment is what you need to try and control nothing beyond mm -hmm. and the fact that perfection is an ill-stated achievement there is no such thing as perfection but there is about you being the best you could possibly be and putting it out there for everyone to see and yeah. have that a confidence that yeah. that encouragement that uh persona to get out there and say i don't i don't want to impress anybody i just want to teach everyone what i do and how i feel mm -hmm. and that is one of the hurdles that is very difficult for people i want to do it perfectly just like professor mm -hmm. and i'm like that's not possible yeah. i said are you a filipino guy you know <laughs> no then you need to find a way to <laughs> you need to find a way to put you out there and do it your way it's not necessarily wrong if you can apply it. It's right. wrong if you can't apply it to right. me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. So uh, for anybody listening who has never tried the martial arts, and this is not a, we're not pitching anything, we're not <laughs> selling anything. Uh, what, oh. what advice would you give them if, if they've thought about it but have never done it? I would encourage you to go sit and watch, watch a class, watch a Tai Chi demonstration, watch a tournament, watch what's going on. A tournament's a really great thing to go watch because you get a taste of all the different styles and how they're presented. And if you can catch the bug and you say, I want to be able to do that, you need to pursue it. It's not anything that will ever be a negative for you, it's always going to be a positive. There, whether you take it for a month or 12 months or a year or 27 years, it's a positive. And it's great for the self-esteem. It's great for the self-confidence. And it's fantastic to have that piece of knowledge in the back of your mind that nobody else knows you know yeah. until you want to show them. Right. <laughs> and that's just, you're talking about recruiting, right? Well, Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I, I, I don't even try and recruit. I just tell people, come try it. Yeah. You know, you don't know you don't like it unless you actually do it. Yeah. And if you get to watch, awesome, but try it. You, you, not every school gives you a three-year contract. Our school goes month to month. Yeah. You, you try it for a month. You don't like it? Hey, no harm, no foul. Yeah. If you like it, keep coming to see me. I've got something new for you every time you walk in my door. Yeah, that's right. And I think... Um, one of the, one of the earliest, it took two years, but one of the first things that I, I noticed and one of the things that I, I share with, um, everybody who's thought about joining or has, you know, come and taking classes from me, um, is that you will know when the, you're at the right school. Mm -hmm. It, it very much feels, uh, natural. And you're taking things away that you feel fit your personality. Um, and you also know when you're at the wrong school. I think knowing you're at the wrong school comes much quicker mm -hmm. because you're not comfortable and you're resisting learning what they're teaching. Yep. 
if you connect with the teacher, if you go in and you go, Hey, I like this, you're going to keep coming back. And eventually you're going to get hooked and you're going to want to take it to the next level. And you're want to going to want to keep. Now, are you going to reach a level where you're like, Oh, I don't want to go to class. Oh, heaven. Yes. <laughs> We've all had that feeling. However, you don't go to class for a week. You're like, Oh, I got to get up. I got to move. It's because you want to get back into class. Yeah. It becomes a lifelong passion at that point, and you just got to keep learning. Yeah. I learn it still every day, even after 27, 28 years. Every morning I get up, I find something different. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I've benefited from the martial arts all this time. Not been no negatives. The broken foot was my own stupidity. I stepped on someone. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So, Part yeah. of the deal, right? Yeah. I... I don't know that I'd be in this great a shape if I wasn't in the martial arts either. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Well, thank you so much for Oh, thank you for having me. This being is great. On. Number one. Yay. High five. This <laughs> high is five. a high five in the studio here. All right. Thanks everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.